You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to Proof Text. And uh, this uh, am I? Did I start properly? Did I start too yeah. early? No, you're good. Oh, okay. The, I saw the screen kind of flash like that. I'm Fred Long, and I'm with my good friend Michael Halcombe, and uh, we're uh, doing another podcast, which we call Proof Text. Proof Text, not Proof Text, where we're trying to make Scripture say something that it doesn't really intend, but we're trying to prove the text, stay close to the text, and prove from the text uh, what uh, what the points that we're making. And we're uh, looking at Galatians. So uh, Michael uh, has a new location. If you've seen him in the past, this is probably not the most glorious background no. Michael has, but I guess it's a really windy day, day there, so he's not in his yurt. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So how, yep. how, how are things going? Yeah, all right. Uh, different location. Uh, yeah, not you're my, a you're my dog. You're having dog problems. I'm having dog problems, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. This is my doggy. Callie. Callie. All right. Yeah. All right. Is it Jack Russell? No, she's uh, she's got a dachshund body. Oh, with uh, the attitude of a chihuahua. So people think she's a chawini. Ah. So anyway, she is a fun dog. She's 12, getting a little bit old, but she's got a lot of personality, very vocal. I think she talks to us. She knows several words. Hmm. All right. So, well, all right. Well, we're looking at Galatians 4, uh, 5. Verses yeah. five and six. So you're so, uh, we were in Galatians four so long that it's I just. Just want to stay, want to go back there. There's so much to see and learn. <laughs> so you're looking at Step uh... Bible, which is an awesome software. I have uh, pastor friends who are using it and uh, many, many are using it. So uh, shout out to them. And yeah. uh, if you haven't found it yet, you want to. And we have an interlinear set up so you can kind of follow along. So our format is that Michael's going to read the Greek text, point out maybe some pronunciation things, and then uh, I'll translate, we'll discuss it, and uh, we'll go from there. So want to get us... Did you know, by the way, that uh, Mark Cannon was working with Step Bible these days? Yes. Yeah, Mark yeah. Cannon. I was about to say his name. I should have. Yeah, Mark yeah. Cannon worked for a long time with uh, Bible Works until it, yeah. it stopped. And so yep. uh, he's applying his many years of skill and experience here. And he and I were seminary students together mm-hmm. at Asbury Theological Seminary. So, yeah, he's yeah. a great person. And, yeah, appreciate him. Yeah, well, here it is, uh, Galatians 5.5. Emis gar pnevmati ek pisteos alpida de keosunes apek dechometha. Ooh, that's a hard one. Apek dechometha. Yeah, that's an interesting word. I was on a roll till I got to there. Apek Apek Dechometha. Look at that. You got the Puk the Kmuth. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Apek Dechometha. All right. So, verse five 
Oh, any pronunciation things apart from that last word there being a tongue twister? No, I don't think so. Um, Pnevmati. Yeah, Pnevmati. That's right. Not Numati or Panumati, but Pnevmati. Yeah, Pnevma. By the way, I just did. I just did an interview, by the way, with uh, James Michael Smith, who's now becoming a regular on the podcast here. I just did a. <clears throat> interview on his podcast where we talk about the pronunciation of koine greek so yeah those of you who are interested you may go check out disciple dojo and find yeah. it on uh youtube even and and yeah. listen to that that is a good and, interview yeah yeah uh, convinced him or you know i guess he was he's been wrong his whole life about harassment and stuff um someone yeah. else on facebook posted something about ben Cantor's book mm -hmm. which just just is coming out or about to come out yeah and then a, a big name scholar was like, oh, I don't want to get into that. And that can't be, you know, like, yeah. when, and I, uh, I couldn't find the feed again, but I was going to speak into that whole discussion. But um, boy, it just kind of surprised me because the, this person is very good historical, you know, a person, historically mm. minded person. And so for me, just the idea of, and then rhetorically minded uh, of not being interested in yeah. it not you know in that re reconstruction yeah uh, and the rhyming the poetics of it uh was is a bit baffling to me so uh his comment generated a lot of pushback feedback and so maybe it was a good thing i didn't jump in or jump well, on that but it's, it's um, always concerning when you have a, a scholar who thinks they're above having to deal with uh research you know that that that's yeah. a big red flag isn't it well, I don't think this person is 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 a great researcher, but I think the issue of mm. pronunciation, I mean, I think for someone like him, I'm not going to mention his name. He's a good, yeah. good person and friend, but you know, I think I think it it kind of betrays the fact that this is a it's been debated to the point, and and maybe that he's he's he doesn't appreciate it. And and maybe it's just the within Erasmian. I mean, Erasmian has about four different main streams of pronunciation, right, right. apparently. So it's obviously debated among Erasmian. And then inside of my logos, um, you know, I can turn on this pronunciation or Erasmian. Well, they're cheating. I mean, some of the Erasmian are now aligning up with um, the Koina era pronunciation right. or restored pronunciation, however you want to call it. So it's like, well it's a weird hybrid that's going on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, to me, it's, I think it's a matter of historical research and I think you're, I was going to point people to your append, the appendix that you wrote for my Koine uh, Greek grammar, which I point people to all, all the time and just, I'm so thankful that you wrote that. And I think even the, the profound point that very possibly Bart Ehrman, who is this huge skeptic and, and very, was very much, very much uh, scandalized by the yeah. number, the sheer number of textual variants. And, and folks, there are a lot. The ancient Greek manu manuscripts, there's a lot of textual variants between them. Now there's like 5,000 New Testament fragments and, and, and parts and holes of the New Testament and literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of textual variants. That is variations uh, found among these manuscripts. But a large majority of them are pronunciation issues. Yes. Which, which you said, if he had been taught the proper way of pronunciation, he would have recognized that these are not 
yep. serious matters at all. Um, and you would, you would even say they're not variants. They should just be interchanges. Interchanges. Yeah. yeah. I think that's very, it was a very profound point. But uh, I think a lot is at stake. You know, Greg Paulson's dissertation that we published, he's the uh, he's overseeing the uh, editor, creditor, mayor of the Greek text uh, over in University of Munster. Um, he's one of the ed head editors of that project. He, we published his dissertation uh, looking at textual variation in Matthew's gospel. And have you have you interviewed him? He'd be great. You know, I, I asked him to come on, but he said he doesn't like doing interviews. Oh, so, okay. Uh, well, yeah. 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 But, you know, his dissertation at the back, he has got an appendix of of the variations. And again, they're sound. Yeah. Sound, the large, large, large majority. So I think there's a lot at stake rhyming and this kind of thing. Yep, there so, is. So, yeah. so verse five is translated. Yeah. For we, by the Spirit, no article uh, reintroduced into the discussion or emphasized. For we, by the Spirit, it's fronted as well, from faith or out of faith, await a hope of justice or righteousness. Man, this seems to just kind of come out of nowhere. The we is stressed. We ourselves. And the gar is the connector. I didn't start by talking about it, but I, I usually do. Gar is indicating strengthening. Strengthening of the previous uh, claim or proposition. Um, so you fell from grace or you lost the favor. You lost the grace. Um for those of you who have are seeking to be justified by the law, are separated from Christ. Um, but we, for we, an alternative subject, so there's this you that is experiencing these things. Yes. Uh, but then there's the we. So the we is, is fronted, the uh, emis, the emis is fronted to indicate uh, a switch of subject. And this is a strengthening statement. And it seems kind of weird to say you, all this bad stuff has happened to you for we have, uh, are waiting something else. I'll add one note to that too. It's, yeah. you, so you're going we, you, I. So really it's, it's I, you, I in verse three, you or y'all in verse four, and we in verse five. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, we. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the, the kicker and this, uh, maybe I've been so f well formed in Paul's thought that I was wanting to take this to the spirit. Well, that's exactly where he goes next is the spirit because that's what's the, the, the real gift and joy of the new covenant, which, which, uh, you know, Jesus brings in and, and then there was the anticipation of the outpouring of the spirit, which was to allow the law to be written in our hearts. Uh, a, a deep translation of God's instruction. The law is instruction in our hearts. It comes by way of the spirit. And so to stay in that favor, we have the benefit of the spirit and the spirit is a down deposit in Paul's thinking. So the spirit is a spirit of 
adoption, of, of sonship, of daughtership. It tells us Abba Father. It, it links us to the Father and tells us that we belong to the family. And here, in verse 5, Paul says that, that by the Spirit, we actually have this hope orientation, this hope by way of faith, that, that we're hoping for a righteousness that will be revealed. Uh, we eagerly await uh, the righteousness for which we hope. Really, literally, we await the hope of w the hope, something in the future, and that hope, the content of that hope, is the justification. So um, there's some aspect of of being rectified that begins with Christ. We certainly begin rectification with Christ, but some people are are banking in the rectification that comes from being in the law. And and there's something illegitimate about that, Paul says, because it's it's not gonna happen. It's not complete. And and it seems like for for believers in Christ, there is actually a a future anticipation anticipation of of justification, uh, which the Spirit gives us and grants us. And, and in this sense, I think there's almost like a, a humility that believers must have that the Spirit gives us. The Spirit gives us. It's not something that we can brag about in a certain sense and say we've arrived. No, rather the Spirit is, is I think, kind of a constant reminder of we haven't arrived and that we're in this intermediate time and that we have this hope uh, for the future. And so we're kind of motivated for that future hope, not that we've arrived, but that there is something yet coming into the future. So the in this regard, the Spirit is, is a down deposit uh, pointing us forward um, for the restoration um, that we haven't experienced yet. And part of that rest of, uh, uh, restoration is, is a final kind of justification. The justification is past, it is something present, but it's also something that we need to bank on in the future through the through the spirit. Hmm. Yeah, that's my my take on those verses. Yeah, I think here, pisteos, uh, this is a really good place too, where that notion of allegiance could could really fit fit well for we ourselves eagerly for we ourselves in the spirit eagerly await uh, out of allegiance. Like mm. it's our, our allegiance to Christ mm -hmm. that allows us to wait eagerly for the future, uh, the the end, right? The end, uh, the fulfillment, the climactic point of of justification, right? Um, yeah, not being, the, of being declared right, of being yes. being being. Being in in fully justice. right, being fully, fully right, right with God, yeah, yeah, fully um, right, yeah, um, yeah. Interesting verses here because he's linking faith and and hope, and then he's going to link it to love. Hmm. So this triad is found in Thessalonians, and it's found in Corinthians, and I guess we could say it's mm -hmm. found here. That's great. Yeah. In the next verse, he's going to get to this. Like these three run together. 
faith, hope, and love. Um, and and uh, yeah, so verse six, you want to read verse six for us? Yeah, I was real quick looking at this verb, um, is this from uh, it's to rec- like to receive or welcome, right? Welcome? Yeah, yeah, and I was thinking of about that, like we, uh, for we ourselves in the spirit welcome out of our allegiance hope of righteousness or justification i i like that that imagery of uh just welcoming it <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I don't know. anyways yeah this this future this future notion i think is really key uh second peter talks about looking forward to a a um a new heavens and a new earth. Second Peter three thirteen, uh, but according to his promises, we're we're awaiting. There's this idea of awaiting. It's uh, it's a different verb, but it's still this kind of forward uh, anticipation. Uh, for it. we're anticipating, looking forward to the new heavens, a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Like we just all have this sense that we we do want to be right, we do have a sense of justice. We want things right. Okay, the so is, the problem is, is that we we often view it too const- constrained by our yeah. view of what that is, and um, Christ expands our boundaries, our expands our our horizons. I guess expands it's expansive. His vision is larger. It's not about an ethnicity group. And here I'm anticipating the next verse. What were you going to say, Michael? Well, like, um, uh, as, as far as, um, well, now I've kind of slipped my mind what I was going to say, but, um, yeah, what was, um, I don't remember how I was going to word it, uh, so we're looking. Was it something yeah. we're looking for the, a place where where righteousness dwells, like rightness, justice? Yeah, I was going to say dwells. something about how how the the law itself, um, it as you said, it it, it reveals sin, but then it can do nothing else. Mm. Whereas once the law has revealed sin to us, Christ. Uh, is able to offer us the grace and justification. Yeah. He's able to pay the debt that we owe and give us freedom from that debt, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the law itself is not able to do that. So that's what we're we're hoping for. Again, the law isn't bad, right? But it does one thing. It reveals our sin. But then we're just left there if that's all there is. So, yeah, I mean, it provides uh, sacrificial means for it that are annual mm. and, and repetitive, <clears throat> yeah. whereas Christ sacrifices once and for all. So the author right. of the book of Hebrews really works out the kind of logic of, of Christ's death, which is once and for all, and the implications that has for uh, yeah. a new reality, a new priesthood, a new kind of covenant. Uh, for that Hebrews is so profound. I don't think it was Paul, but uh, who wrote it? Many people did, but in antiquity thought it was Paul. But 
has such a grasp of this uh, changeover. So, you don't think yeah. Paul wrote Hebrews? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I, don't I do. So. You, you do? Yeah, I do. But, Man, I yeah. don't. Anyways, we don't got to go there. But maybe, yeah. we'll do, maybe we'll do Hebrews over the next ten years. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's It'd do verse great. six. A lot of content. Do... Okay, verse six. So read it. Um, don't know that I see anything here um, other than you have the the alpha that's fallen off, that's been alighted from the dia because it's followed by uh, agapes. Um, but I think that's all I see in terms of pronunciation. Anything you see or no? <clears throat> oh, I see well, one other thing. The oohs uh, and o's there. Christo yeah, I see the... Ute. I see the T, it's lost its, uh, it's in click, right? Or not in click, but it's lost its, um, proclitic, it's thrown it's, off yeah, its accent. Yeah, it's lost its accent mark, it's tonos. Yeah. And so, uh, usually, um, if it's lacking that accent mark, right, we, we know that it's not indicated, indicative of a question. Um, but anyways, yeah. it doesn't really have a lot to do with pronunciation, but let's, I guess go ahead and translate and see what we see here. So here we have a uh, supportive statement, um, Gar, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision strengthens anything, <clears throat> nor uncircumcision, but faith working through love. Faith is working through love. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the uta uta is interesting. The te, when it's in combination with another te or teke, it indicates sameness of grammatical sameness. And so here we have the peritome paired with the grammatical sameness of acrobustia. Mm -hmm. So circumcision and uncircumcision. Um, I've decided to translate iskui uh, as uh, strengthens. It's, I think, often translated as uh, you know, means anything. Yeah, any value as the NIV does here. But that's, that's not what it means, uh, I don't think. Uh, the basic meaning is to be strong. It's from the uh, word iskus, strength, capability, power, might. Uh, first definitions in BDAG or lexicon is uh, to be in good health, to have physical powers. Secondly, to be uh, have power, to be competent, to be able. Uh, third, to be in control, to have power, to be mighty. Uh, and then the fourth definition, which is always sometimes can be suspicious because these are like extended meanings that may not 
they are they're not the core of what the word means they're the kind of peripheral and uh, this one means to have meaning or be valid to be in force so mm. i think that uh, circumcision was believed to provide power uh, over sin i think it was almost maybe seen magically or it was certainly seen within a moral context that this is something that if you do it, it's going to give you power and mastery in your life. Uh, and Paul is really? denying that. What gives you power and mastery in your life is actually the spirit. <laughs> it's, it's not uh, circumcision nor is it uncircumcision. Neither of these has more power or amounts to anything, empowers anything. Neither of these empowers anything. But what is empowering is allegiance or faith, trust. Trust in the working of God, working through love. Uh, and that's what Paul says here, faith working through love. That's what strengthens something that's what strengthens mm -hmm. us so the t there that little t between peritome peritome uh, peritome and escui that little t is um is an indefinite pronoun mm -hmm. and uh, it's meant to kind of minimize like it strengthens nothing uh but what really does strengthen something is in fact faith working through love yeah so i think we're we're looking at an issue of empowerment and how do we properly get to the goal which which is justice and and righteousness how do we get there we get there very humbly through god's favor his chorus and this chorus this favor this grace uh, is conveyed through humbly through the spirit, which gets us looking forward and orients us to God accomplishing his goals in his way. And so we have faith in that. And in the meantime, we're called to continue to have faith, to show allegiance to the political reality of Christ, the heavenly city, which is free, that we are members of, and to exercise love. To, to demonstrate that in terms of love, through love. So faith energized, literally faith being energized, or allegiance being energized by way of love, through love. So dia, the preposition dia, aga, agapes, uh, through love. So love is this intermediary means that is an energizing force. And I would say love begets love. Uh, if you withhold love, you don't get love. If you give love, you get love. So love is this degenerative force. It's the way that God has made us in this world. And it, it can be very sacrificial. It's not easy at all. But um, it's, it's the way that we win in the world. <laughs> it's how we win. We win by being sacrificially loving and being faithful even unto death. 
and showing our love uh, at that level is what I would say. So there we have the, the love completing the triad of, of faith and hope. Empowered by grace and the spirit leads us to an energizing love. Yeah. Um, this love, I mean, in verse six, completes the triad of, of faith and hope. So love completes the triad of faith and, and hope, which is energized by the spirit and the favor that we are we're given in Christ which is a favor that we don't have inherently, either by our circumcision or by our uncircumcision. God is not interested in that. While that was something that, that seemed that God was interested in in a certain time, in fact, he wasn't. <laughs> and he's not so much interested in those things. And so Paul has to really argue this point um, that, that faith came before the law came, and Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So this uh, this need for allegiance and trust and, and faith that is really trusting in, in the other, in God, uh, that is what opens up and is expansive to us and opens up us up to uh, anticipating God's rectification, his making right of things, and that we can place our hope in that, that we don't have to do that. We only are obliged to, to love, and that mm. love energizes us, and love begets love. Let, let's, I was going to say, um, I think it's important to talk about love here in a second, but uh, also the the fact um, of Iskui, uh, you're talking about, they almost had like this magical view. I always like have taken this as um, neither circumcision strengthens anything nor uncircumcision, meaning your your status before people or before God. Like it doesn't strengthen your your yeah your status before anyone, rather than like that sort of magical view you're talking about. So I've never quite heard that perspective but um well magical yeah. i mean empowerment this idea of 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 uh, how do we receive power and i believe that the the circumcision was thought to give power to people to live uh mm. more righteously never heard this i've never heard this right you don't what do you think about the idea that it is speaking of like like social power status like it's you know that doesn't give you status before god um that that kind of or social social prowess social status social power before god um doesn't strengthen your your uh i don't know the way god sees you it doesn't it there's yeah it doesn't have anything in that regard just is that clear? Like I'm trying to say that, like, um, yeah, I think, I think it, it is. Um, I don't, well, first of all, God is really not mentioned in these verses right here. I would say we have a lot of Christ, uh, uh, we have the spirit, but in terms of like our placement before God, I don't see that as being, I'm not seeing that as, as being and or others. I mean, well, I don't really even see that. I'm seeing I'm seeing empowerment mm -hmm. words, uh, energeo, 
I'm seeing escui, escuo. I'm seeing um, words dealing with moral, um, like yeah. righteousness and, and maybe even justification. Grace can be understood as a empowerment. Um, keeping, doing the law. So I'm seeing that there's, um, I'm seeing that there's, issues of virtue and vice and that's eventually where he's going to work work this out to um is virtue and mm -hmm. vice and fulfillment of the law um walking by the spirit versus the flesh and then you have all the virtues and vice there um and so the question is is how do you overcome the flesh do you overcome the flesh through circumcision or through the spirit um you know, verse 24, Paul will say, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So I think that uh, Paul has to lean into the virtues that come by way of the Spirit because the alternative message is the message of law observance and being empowered through the law and these kinds of things. And I think circumcision probably was one way that one signaled uh, mastery and, and, and virtue in particularly a very powerful area where um, people often hmm. sinned. I mean, one of the first sins listed often is uh, porn, pornia. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the first one listed in verse 19 here. Pornia is a sexual immorality, fornication. And uh, yeah, so I mean, when we think about it, uh, that male organ, which is used often in these acts, is is uh, brought into some change. You know, you're trying to physically remove part of the flesh from it. Yeah. And I'm thinking that there's something um, powerful or thought to have been powerful about that uh, in terms of virtue, uh, the ability huh. to be virtuous. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, also just briefly, we can talk about just faith expressing itself through love. I mean, I don't know, we've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but um, just love right, is such an un, such an ambiguous term in a lot of ways. I mean, we have the word agape here, and we don't want to make that whole thing. Um, as much as we love C.S. Lewis about you know the four loves, and uh, there's some fallacy going on there, but um, we do have this faith expressing itself through love and, you know, what is meant by love? Like, and we have faith, hope, love, what is meant by, by, I guess each of those, but particularly love. I mean, if we think of faith as allegiance, that makes a lot of sense. Hope as, uh, kind of looking ahead to that, the, the new Jerusalem and the, the, being fully right with God and then love. So what is love? Yeah, I think we have talked about this a lot. I, I like the idea that it's valuing the other, a quality of warm regard for an interest in another, which is just another way of saying you're valuing them. It doesn't mean that you're validating them or although it might mean that it doesn't mean that you're condoning what they're mm -hmm. doing. 
It means that you value them, that you recognize that they have inherent value and worth in and of themselves. They, apart from what they do or don't do, they are worthwhile. Yeah. And that, I, I think, is what love is. I would add to that, I think, like if I'm thinking of love, um, if I tell somebody I love them, like this is this is just a shorthand way, if you will, of saying like I'm I'm always looking out for you what's in your best interest. Like I'm always looking out for your ultimate good. Mm. Right? Um I think that's really what love is. Like, you know, I think of myself like as a parent, like to love my kids is, is to look out for their ultimate good and to have their best interests in mind. And yeah, I, I mean, know, same thing as a teacher or a pastor or a husband. Yeah. They have their well being in mind again, the, what comes from that. And that is the recognition of the value of that person. Um, Often charity is given as a gloss too, which would suggest you want the you're, you're wanting the well-being of 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 that person. So alms giving or giving of charity, uh, having charity, having love for somebody is is that favorable disposition towards uh, that person, which I think comes out of that innate value that you see that they have. Uh, to me, yeah. that has spoken volumes to me to to think of it that way in terms of. Value, valuing, which then so means like, that it's gonna it's gonna manifest it, that in terms of charity, alms giving, uh, different kinds of thing. Truth telling, you know, because like I, I was driving yesterday and I saw a guy wearing a shirt, a pride colored shirt, and said, "Love is love." Of course, a tautology, uh, but <laughs> yeah. the whole idea of saying like, "Gay love is love." Like there is no, yeah. right? They leave the word gay off there or whatever, the LGBTQ, lesbian love, gay love, bi love, whatever. They leave that off the front. Um, and they're meaning love, sexual kind of loves, I guess. And like, um, but, you know, that is that is not a kind of love with the other person's ultimate good in mind, right? Um at least in, in my perspective, like, mm -hmm. uh, I think, yeah, there are a lot of problems with that. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. So faith, faith energizing through love. Yeah. We got to get love, right? Like how do we define love? Because if we don't, then, um, I, I think if it's self oriented, then we're seeing people as objects to satisfy us. If we mm -hmm. see love as emotionalism, then it's dependent on on feelings, and feelings are very important. But that's not the sole basis of what love is. Um, love doesn't mean to condone um, or ex accept uh, accept mm -hmm. everything that the person does. I yeah. I mean it. Yeah, I have a counseling friend, Pat Holly, who's been on the show, and he's often helpful in explaining this. And he often puts things quite radically, um, which is really challenging me to kind of splice this up out because people just want to be loved. 
So, uh, and they come to him and he, of course he doesn't. Do they want to be loved or do they want to be justified? Like, do they want to be loved or they want to be affirmed? There's a difference, right? I think that that's a really good point. I think there is, I think there is a lot of that justification and that, I think that can come out. I don't know if everyone wants to be justified, but I think it can present itself that way. And that becomes problematic. Uh, is is then that our existence is is we're trying to justify, um, and yeah. I, I heard this definition of sin, which I think is really true, is that our sinning is our own attempt to justify our existence, to show our own self worth. Like every time mm. that we sin, it is a radical statement of I can do this, and I, by golly, I am worth it. Mm. So. So this idea, I think, of sliding from I want to be loved to I want to be validated to I want yeah. to be justified. That's a that's a slope there, a slippery one, I think. And and to, to be able to be discerning about that. Um, and I think Jesus was careful about not letting himself be tooled into that kind of thing. Like there are people that he calls out. You know, in other yeah. words, um, the way Christina talks about is instrumentalized. He doesn't let himself get instrumentalized. I mean, people come to him and he's like, wait a minute, uh, go home and, you know, do this and that. And, you know, he'll call people out. Um, I think the church is being instrumentalized by people as a, as a way to justify themselves rather than to seek God's justification in the way that God has revealed. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, we can can pump the brakes there. Do you have a parting Um, shot? I do have a parting shot. And this comes from C.S. Lewis. It is, uh, love is not affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good. Mm -hmm. See where I got my definition as far as it can be obtained. Good. Steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good, as far as it can be obtained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. There are limits to it. I'm, I guess that obtainment, and we can't be in control mm-hmm. of that, but we can certainly hope and strive and and pray for that. Yeah. Well, thanks, yep. brother. Uh, yep. Thanks Thank everyone you. for listening to us. Uh, this proof text podcast, and uh, we hope you're enjoying it. Uh, as much as we enjoy producing them. Uh, thank you, Michael, for all your hard work in doing this and uh, countless hours. And it's free. Uh, we we do this because we love God's word. Uh, we love God's people. And uh, we love this world that he's put us in. It's a great stewardship that we have, This uh, into the stewardship of our minds, of our hearts, of our time. And so uh, we hope that, that you appreciate this, share it, um, and uh, leave us some feedback, some com- comments if you want us to focus on this a little bit more or focus on that or explain this a bit more, whatever. We appreciate that feedback. So thanks so much, everybody. And uh, thanks for listening. Take care. Interested in growing your ancient language skills, but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glosahouse.com today. Glosa House, language resources for the global community.